Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Journey, a 16-week odyssey of grit, determination, endurance, and will, where the weak are exposed and the strong revered. From Bleed Entertainment, this is Falcon's Flight. Insights and analysis on your Atlanta Falcons. Now, here's Robert Taylor and your host, Brian Giffen. It is Falcon's Flight. This will be edition number 14. Brian Giffen, glad to have Robert Taylor back in studio today. And we come your way as the Atlanta Falcons come off of a 25-17 win over the Carolina Panthers. Thursday night game, so of course, a few extra days to rest as they prepare to take on Denver at home and then they'll have their bye week. But Atlanta, overall, through eight games, improves to two and six, which is still not a very good first half of the season. But when you start 0 and 5, you got to have some context. They're two and one in the Raheem Morris era. And the Atlanta Falcons hope that this can maybe be a stepping stone toward better things. We'll see. And I got to apologize to the fans out there. I kind of unplugged from society and sports and everything. I went on a trip down to Florida. Saw a little bit of the tail end of the Carolina game as my trip was winding down. But like I said, I shut the phone off. I turned the TV off. I went out fishing in nature. And boy, did I need it after the year we've had. Matt Ryan threw for only 281 yards, which is well below what he's been averaging. But he also ran for a touchdown, six carries, 27 yards, and helped beat the Panthers with his feet. How rare a thing is that? Matt Ryan is definitely not known for being able to scramble around. He's textbook pocket quarterback. But I guess that's why I like Matt Ryan, though. Sometimes he surprises you, but sometimes he does whatever he thinks is necessary to try to help his team and get a win. Well, you can bet the Falcons are hoping to get that third win of the season as the Denver Broncos come to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Speaking of bet, the NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today couple things happened in this one, Robert. You remember a couple weeks ago we were talking about the effectiveness and or what you look to get out of your running game. And this game's kind of a good example of it where it's not necessarily a yardage goal, but creating balance situation. And in this particular game, Brian Hill, 11 carries, 55 yards. Todd Gurley, 18 carries, 46. Matt Ryan chips in 27 on the ground. Not overly impressive rushing statistics, but when they needed one, they put together a drive that consumed a whole bunch of clock and were actually able to put a game away because they effectively ran the football at a key time late in the game. And that's what everybody's always said, even in the preseason, that in order for this Falcons offense to work, you got to establish a running game. And I guess for me as a fan, I always look for that 100 number. But I guess if you're getting it done with a pair of backs and Ryan's getting it done with his feet a little bit, then that's okay. 
you know, Julio's still being Julio, 137 yards receiving, but everybody always says that they're professionals and it doesn't affect them, but I just got to wonder with kind of the uncertainty of who may be the head coach next year. Goff, you turn on ESPN for five minutes, it's trade Julio to Green Bay, trade Matt Ryan to San Francisco, Tack was going to be traded, now he's taking himself off the block. You just got to wonder how much that factors into keeping their head in the game and staying focused and how they're going to handle moving forward. Well, you mentioned Julio Jones, and Julio Jones had a huge game, as he generally does, against the Panthers. And Jones, with 137 yards, as you talked about, this game actually ties Jones with Randy Moss for second on the all-time list for 125-yard at least games. And Randy Moss, that's fairly elite company. We'll hear from Julio about that a little bit later, but he always seems to have his best games or some of his best games against Carolina. Yeah, and I don't know if it's weak secondary or it's just the spirit of competition and their division rival and you always show up for those games. But Julio's Julio. He's a fantastic athlete. Right now, today, a Hall of Fame wide receiver, so I would expect nothing less from him. It was interesting because Koo misses that extra point where they had the opportunity to make it a two-score game. They didn't do that, but then the defense, which has struggled particularly to hold leads late in the game, comes up big as they got that interception to kind of seal the game. A lot of things that went against what the conventional or unconventional wisdom has been this season. I think it's just a win for the defense. I think, and I could be mistaken because you're kind of saving me today with some notes because getting back into town and getting caught up, but I'm pretty sure this Panthers game was the first one they've held an opponent under 20 points. Definitely is. We all know the Falcons have had this penchant for squandering leads late in the year. They were 1-3 and this year when leading going into the fourth quarter. That says a lot. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, to come away with a win, that's got to be something to build on, and we're going to talk about this Denver game coming up, but... I'm kind of at a loss for how this season is going. I, I don't know where it's going to go. I don't. They're just so all over the place. I feel like it's a very inconsistent football team from week to week, and you really don't know what you're going to get. Despite the talent on both sides of the ball, sometimes they show up, sometimes they don't. I don't know if it's play calling. I don't know if it's the mood in the locker room. Everybody said tank for Trevor, but now they're competing with the Patriots because they're 2-5. and five. <laughs> So with all the trade rumors and everything, to me, I almost want to say this season's just about a wash. And I look forward to getting through it. I don't see them bouncing back and having any sort of resurgence. And, you know, Scott says that extra playoff team, Scott Johns, is going to be with us later. I don't see that happening. I think I just want to get this season over with, see what kind of moves they make cap-wise and shuffling players around and get a coaching staff together. I, I somehow don't see Raheem Morris getting a chance to be the head coach in the future. I think that interim thing is just what it is, interim. Well, it does appear that the Jets are well on their way to being in the catbird seat for the number one pick, but that, of course, will be something we'll address more than half a season from now as we wind this thing up later in the year. But the defense, they limited the Panthers to 2 of 10 on third down, and I think the coaching overall, the Detroit game being a bit of an exception, certainly they look more organized. Certainly they look a little bit more in sync with what they're doing under Raheem Morris. And I think it's like, you know, Raheem said, you know, after Quinn got fired and he got the tag and, and going into that, hey, we're just going to go back to basics. And I think he's doing things a little differently in practice. I don't think I know he is, and, and I think that's what he's doing. He's like, let's just play fundamentally sound football. Let's just try to get some wins. Let's focus on the little things, try to right the ship and try to salvage the season. But And, again, it's that internal struggle you have as a fan. Do we want to finish 8-8? Eight and eight? 
Or do you want to get a couple more wins and try to get as high up in that draft order as possible and, and start looking towards the future? It's, it's so – you play to win, but at this point it's like, what are you playing for? I don't feel like in the NFL it's it's so easy as just play to win. It's, it's play for the playoffs, play for a championship, and all that's out the window now. So you got to wonder sometimes – because they are consummate professionals, but they're also human beings. Do you think sometimes they just get out there and go through the motions? Because they don't have anything really, like, you know, what's left with this season? There is nothing quite like, though, the co- – camaraderie on the team the sidelines everything else the locker room when you get out and execute your game plan and win a game and I know those guys because they're playing for their futures as players are playing to win every week so the administrative parts of it aside you know the players are out there trying their best to win every week because they've got to make the right impression be it for this franchise or another let's jump to our sound cuts quickly we talked about Matt Ryan running the ball he was asked about it after the game whether or not his teammates were laughing at him I can't tell if they're laughing at me or just having a good time and excited for it but they're always good when we get them and yeah I think guys get fired up by it, showing that there's different ways to get the job done one thing we hadn't mentioned yet is the fact that Calvin Ridley left this game with a foot injury it was thought to be more serious initially than it is Ridley is likely to miss the Denver game with a looming bye thereafter it is hopeful, anyway, that maybe Ridley can return the week after the bye. Here is Ryan talking about the loss of Ridley, but also makes the point they've got some depth at receiver. You just feel so bad for guys. You know, I know how hard Calvin has worked throughout the year and through the offseason, so hopefully it's nothing too, too serious. But we got other guys that are capable of doing it. I thought Julio played really well for us tonight. I don't know how many catches or yards he had, but he had a bunch of explosives. Christian Blake did a nice job, had a few good catches for us, contested catches that we needed. You mentioned some other guys. I think Hayden Hurst did a nice job as well. So I thought it was a good effort by our guys to step up when Rib went down. Rob and I talked about the fact that Julio Jones matched Randy Moss for second on the all-time list in terms of games with 125 yards or more. This was his 35th. Here's Ryan on that. Just to start the game the way we did, to let them know it was going to be that kind of night, just clutch plays throughout the game to keep the chains moving. I thought he played extremely well. It's no surprise he's on a list with Randy Moss. I mean, he's one of the best to ever do it, and he played really well for us tonight. The Falcons were only two out of six in the red zone in terms of touchdowns, and everybody feels that's got to be better, including Ryan. When we get down there, we've got to come away with more touchdowns. I think we were maybe two of six for the night in the red area, so you'd like to be scoring more than 50% of the time you're down there, and that's definitely an area we want to address, but it's always nice to address those areas after a win. All right, on to Julio Jones now. And Jones talking about the same thing, the fact the Falcons have to score more touchdowns with the weapons they've got. We got to score touchdowns. We're too explosive. We got too many great players at a lot of positions. The offensive line is doing a great job for us. TG in the backfield doing a great job. Matt Ryan's doing a good job for us. And we got guys to make plays on the outside. We have to score touchdowns, not depending on who we playing, just for our sake, who we are as a unit. We got to score touchdowns. Julio was asked about the fact that he had yet another big game against the Panthers. Talked a little about how they were trying to cover him. Early on, they came out, they tried to play just two, basically. And then, like, later on, they started trying to double me a little bit. And they had new guys coming in at corner, so they basically had to tell them. And I'm a veteran player. You can't tell a guy what he's going to do. You know, he's like, hey, stay inside. Oh, you're playing two men. Like, so I know how to run my route. And I just got to get to the safety, step on his toes, and make him uncomfortable. But that's what they started doing later on in the game, just two men. Rare occurrence this year, but the defense stepped up 
and got that stop, the interception, to seal the ball game. Julio talked about the fact that everybody offensively was on the sideline, but they were in it with their defense. I always believe in the defense. We together. We work together. Those are our brothers on the other side. We can't be on the field, but we got to put the trust in them just like they put trust in us to go out there and score a touchdown or get three points or move the ball down the field. They got to ride with us as well, so I was riding with them for sure. And I had the utmost trust in them that they was going to go out there and perform the job done. And finally, Julio talking about tying Randy Moss for second on the all-time list for games of 125 yards or more with his 35th in this one. That matters little in terms of the team, but it is a nice accomplishment. Definitely a great accomplishment. Hall of Famer, Randy Moss, and, you know, somebody that I watch too. You know, all of us, I mean, especially if you're a receiver, you watch Randy Moss play football, things he did. He made it look effortless, right? So great accomplishment. But for me, I just got to keep working, keep going forward. So the Falcons finished the Panthers 25-17, to and they improved to 1-1 one and one against Carolina. They're 1-1 one and one in the division. I know there's always the thing, Rob. Scott will probably allude to it, you know, if you go out and win all your division games and all of that. But I think you're right with what you alluded to a little bit ago. That sixth loss, the one to Detroit, really stung because I think it really put a blanket over any hopes for this year to do anything other than try to win as many games as possible, try to salvage what kind of season you can. You know, one thing when I think about it, and we just said it again, does it feel like we've been talking about this for like 25 years now? It's (laughs) like every season, red zone. Do we just need to hire a red zone? offensive coordinator like we just roll him out there when they get down there because it seems like they have been struggling mightily with that for many years now it seems like every time you hear about the Falcons oh well they got a lot of talent just can't score in the red zone can't wait to talk to Scott about this Lions game I just that's the first time ever in my life I've heard that a team lost a game because they scored. I, just, <laughs> I don't know what that means. And some of the guys at work were like, oh, you could hear Ryan in the huddle like, hey, we're going to give it to Gurley, but get down. Yeah. Get down on the ground. Don't score. Yeah, momentum. And what I'm thinking, why not just take a knee, Matt? Why bother handing it off? If you just want to get the ball on the ground, just spike it, do whatever. Yeah, they were out of timeouts, so who knows? You know, but it's the same thing as how the hell do you not know to fall on an onside kick? We've visited all these topics ad nauseum. But what's already happened has already happened. But there are some real head-scratching moments through the first half of the 2020 season. About time for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll visit with Scott Johns of the Atlanta Falcons. And Scott can maybe address and or answer some of these things for us. And we'll look back a little bit more at this Carolina game, but more ahead to the looming contest against the Denver Broncos. All that comes your way after a timeout. This is Falcons Flight Edition 14. Brian Giffen, Robert Taylor, about to be joined by Scott Johns. And it's a production of Believe Entertainment, the number one site for podcast professionals. Do you believe? We do. Back in a moment. Mr. Hardwood is Atlanta's premier flooring expert, but Hardwood is just the beginning. Mr. Hardwood also installs laminate, tile, vinyl, carpet, and more. Your home is likely your biggest investment. Not only can you enhance its value with beautiful new floors, but our lifetime transferable warranty will enhance the value even more. If you stand on it, Mr. Hardwood stands behind it. Mr. Hardwood is committed to setting the industry standard for all your uniquely designed and professionally installed flooring solutions. Our number one goal is to exceed our customers' needs by providing value, quality, and exceptional service even after the sale. We take great pride in high-quality craftsmanship and integrity and are not satisfied until we have exceeded your expectations. Mr. Hardwood, Atlanta's flooring experts. 
To set up your free consultation, call Mr. Hardwood today at 770-318-8880 or go to mrhardwoodinc.com. Like in football, whether it's in business, recreation, or life, you need a game plan. Is your computer running slow? Is it infected with viruses or malware? Maybe you're a gamer and really want a custom-built computer specifically for gaming. Perhaps like us, you want a lightning-fast, state-of-the-art, solid-state drive to replace that clunky, old-school one in your machine. Your game plan for any of this should be Computers Plus. A lot of the components we use to produce and bring you Falcon's Flight have been upgraded or provided by Computers Plus. Computers Plus is located in Ackworth, Georgia at 3330 Cobb Parkway Northwest, Suite 154. But wherever you are, they can help. Stop in and see them. They also feature a full line of accessories and refurbished equipment. Give them a call today at 770-693-0769 or check them out at computersplususa.com. You'll be glad you did. It is Falcons Flight Edition 14. Brian Giffen with Robert Taylor and Scott Johns will join us in just a moment. Falcons Flight, a production of Believe Entertainment, the number one site for podcast professionals as the Falcons come off of a 25-17 win over the Carolina Panthers, and they look ahead to taking on the Denver Broncos at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Joining us via the telephone line from the Atlanta Falcons is Scott Johns. Scott, the Falcons improved to 1-1 one and one against Carolina. They do win a division game, a 25-17 win over the Panthers. It's kind of a payback, I guess, for the 23-16 loss a couple of weeks ago, but there were some things that stood out in this one. We won't dwell too much on a game that happened nearly a week ago since it was a Thursday night game, but what are your thoughts generally on the game? Well, I think they came out and they played inspired football. That's generally not what you see from a team that's had a poor season like Atlanta has, but I think they have the talent and the leadership that's propelled them into some meaningful football games in their mind. And, and you got to like that as a fan. I mean, it's, uh, there's something to be said about, you know, a team that can come out and find that element of resolve and come out and win a division game on a short week on the road. I mean, that's a great sign. I don't know what this is going to do for the future, but it feels good to at least know your team's capable of going out and winning a game like that. Scott, I'm, I'm going to go back for a little bit because everybody knows I had a little trip planned before I was brought on to do the podcast, so that kind of threw a monkey wrench in things. I want to talk the Lions game. So you were there. Can you kind of explain to me what exactly happened with the whole Todd Gurley, Atlanta scored, but by scoring they lost? What did you see? I was over on the sideline, and believe it or not, I was sitting right behind Arthur Blank for the last two drives of that game and the coaches were very adamant about not scoring it was it was kind of funny they said let's run this clock down because once it got inside of two minutes you had the sense that they were just going to kill the clock put it on the whatever hash young way wanted it on and they were going to kick it they were trying to get it a little bit closer Detroit had it in their mind that they were just going to let Todd Gurley score they knew once he got his momentum going he wasn't going to stop so they missed <laughs> I say missed loosely two tackles and then of course his momentum carried him in even with that, you got the sense that, hey, Detroit, a minute four, no timeouts. This is going to go in Atlanta's favor. And unfortunately, you know, we saw how it played out. But watching it from the sidelines was pretty hard to do. And we invent new ways, it looks like, every <laughs> week to lose in a different fashion. But, I mean, it was kind of one of those things you look at it and go, man, we're not getting just outright beat by anybody except for Green Bay. We've been in all these ball games, and, and this is just one of those that we just couldn't finish. It was nice to finish in Carolina the other night, but got to find ways to, to win ball games in the final possession or two. 
ironic as they get ready to take on the Broncos. In their last game, they stole one from the Los Angeles Chargers in improbable fashion. So it's kind of the opposite of what Atlanta has had a penchant for doing, and that is blowing leads late in the game that seem insurmountable. Yeah, they're coming in, you know, with some confidence. And, and it's funny because we really have to throw those out. I feel like division games are a monster on, all on their own. I mean, it, it seems like you come off a division game, and there's such a high to winning those. And then you can ride that high, a lot of veteran teams do. But it can also take your focus away. And I fully expect Denver to come in completely unfocused on Sunday. And I know that sounds crazy, but they've had a lot of COVID tests come back positive in the in the facility this week. They're a young team. I just don't think they're going to come in with the laser focus that you would expect from a team like that. So I think Atlanta's going to find a way to eke one out here. Both teams are <laughs> know what it's like to play in close ball games. I'm just hoping that the coaching staff can take over and do their part to win one. I think we got to keep an eye on that, too, because there's a likelihood that they could maybe not play the game. Elway tested positive. I believe the owner tested positive. And it seems like with a lot of these franchises, even you know in other sports, kind of a domino effect and a couple of guys pop up with positive tests and the next thing you know there's 17 people within the organization that have it but one question I want to address with you and I asked Brian this before we got you on the phone it seems like we've been talking about the Falcons and their red zone woes probably the past 25 seasons what in your mind because you know you're there in the games and you're probably a lot more in depth than maybe others what needs to happen exactly in your mind to get over that hump where we have a falcon season where at the end of it or the beginning of it we don't go well we got to address this red zone thing that's been a hot button issue for quite a few seasons now it kind of takes you back to the first time dirt cutter was here in my mind it's unimaginative play calling that's really what it boils down to because when you have matt ryan at the helm and you have todd Gurley, who's the most productive red zone running back in the nfl the last three seasons and you have calvin ridley julio jones and obviously hayden hurst there's no excuse for not scoring touchdowns and settling for field goals i think a lot of it is predictable play calling so defenses are able to hone in on what we're doing and adjust accordingly cutter's got to throw in wrinkles to what we've seen in the past i really think that's the only way it's going to get done because if we don't the woes are going to continue. I don't know what changes are being made in that sense, but I'm hopeful that they're going to start looking at this and going, okay, what we've done in the red zone in terms of the run has worked. We need to maybe throw in some more wrinkles and maybe invent some new formations regarding the passing game. If they can do that, then we're going to see some high-scoring games. And I truly believe they're going to have to if they want to perform a miracle and make the playoffs. I know that sounds far-fetched. You pretty much have to win out, maybe lose one more. But you're about to play New Orleans twice, Kansas City, and Tampa Bay twice. I mean, you got a real gauntlet coming up here. But if you can score touchdowns in the red zone, I feel like you can beat anybody. When you look at this Denver franchise, the cliche, and it's become a real common one the last few years, that the NFL is a quarterback league, and one needn't look any further than the Denver Broncos. You know, all the way back to John Elway, who's the president of the franchise now, they were great when they had John Elway. They were serviceable. They made the playoffs and even beat the Steelers one year with Tim Tebow, which is probably more of an aberration than what you would have expected. But then Peyton Manning comes along. The point is, Drew Locke is largely an unproven guy, and the fact that they're 29th in the league in passing offense has got to enter in there somewhere, too. Well, Drew's a guy that they have a lot of faith in. I mean, he's a big kid, has a great arm. His accuracy seems to get better every week. He's a work in progress. They don't really know what they've got in him yet. They decided that, hey, he's got the measurables, so let's see if we can develop him, you know, in-game. And that's how you have to do it with these young guys. You take what you have and you try to define it and sculpt it to the best of your abilities or your coach's abilities and 
can kind of go from there. But I have a lot of hope for that kid. I mean, I think he's a super talented guy. He seems to be really sharp. It takes a couple full seasons for it to click for quarterbacks. Unless your name's Patrick Mahomes, you're not going to pick it up right away. And even Mahomes sat for a season. So it's going to take some time to figure out what Drew Locke is as far as an NFL quarterback. But he shows signs of being someone that can be not just the middle of the pack guy, but someone that gets a Pro Bowl nod here and there. And, and you know, eventually if they can build a team around him, someone that's in the playoffs on a regular basis. Exactly. They haven't had a guy since Manning. Osweiler definitely was not the guy they I think they thought he was going to be. You know, sometimes I wonder, and they had, did have Osweiler there under Manning, but why they didn't do a better job of that. But I'm going to turn the page a little bit because it's, you know, it's a younger team in the Broncos. It's a struggling team. It's chock full of talent in the Falcons. It's going to be a football game. Probably not a lot to write home about. The question I have for you is, do you have any kind of good rumors, any any tidbits of any kind of rumblings of maybe guys leaving town or coming into town or any kind of coaching rumblings, you know, guys maybe that they're lining up to speak to, you know, once the season's over? <laughs> I see where you're going with this. I like it. <laughs> uh, the news this morning, of course, uh, Tack McKinley got on Twitter and decided to play his best impression of Adam Schefter and break news that the Falcons didn't trade him even though they have second round pick offered to him which I find hard to believe and of course the Falcons came out and said no that's definitely not true there was never a second round pick offered for Tech. I'm fine with the Falcons on this one I don't think a guy that has 16 career sacks through three seasons is going to garner a second round pick I can't imagine that ever being the case I think Tack has kind of lost his way he has a high upside but I think he's just troubled and I think he, he needs a new maybe a change of scenery I like his swagger his attitude he's got an edge about him that you want your defensive ends to have he just doesn't seem to put it together on Sundays and I wish him the best I don't think he's going to be active for the rest of the season from what I'm understanding, but I hope he figures it out in another city and take it a step further. I hope Atlanta finally figures out the defensive situation. We're sitting here in the same week that Tack McKinley is probably going to get deactivated after having a feud on social media with our team. Vic Beasley got released today from yeah. Tennessee, and he got paid $9 million for three tackles up there. I mean, that he ran a scam up there. And I'm trying hard to figure out how we ended up with two of those guys on our roster at the same time who have flamed out in just dramatic fashion. It happens to be on the same day. But whoever the new general manager is that comes into Atlanta, I'll say this, you've got to figure out the pass rush situation. We haven't had a formidable pass rush since John Abraham's here, and that's that's plagued us. I think that's a reason that, that a lot of teams are able to come back on us. Quarterbacks know that when our front seven or our front four, more specifically, gets tired, they can kind of impose their will on our defense because coaches are smart enough to make those adjustments. Quarterbacks know they're going to have the protection. So the longstanding, you know, why does Atlanta blow so many leads, I think it has to do with our lack of pass rush among many other things, but I think that's where it starts. So whoever comes in, you can't draft a guy like Tech. You can't draft a guy like Vic. You have to go after some guys. Maybe go get a free agent and draft someone that you have a lot of trust and hope in and go from there. But you've got to develop that pass rush before anything else on this roster starting in April. Well, speaking of pass rush, that's one thing the Broncos do pretty well. 20 sacks through seven games and 45 quarterback hits through seven games. So they are effective at least at getting quarterbacks off their spot, and that ought to be an interesting dynamic on Sunday. Yeah, Matt's going to have to really, really have a good stronghold of the game plan. I think he does. Matt's not a guy you worry about going in through the week and not having a grasp on the game plan. I think you're going to see a lot of screen passes. I think that's going to be used to slow down that pass rush just a little bit. And that works effectively. Matt's always done a really good job of getting the ball out of his hands quickly. And if he can do that this week, we stand a really good chance of winning. Now, if you can't neutralize that pass rush, I believe it's going to be a low-scoring affair, which falls into the hands of the Broncos. 
But if you're Caleb McGarry and Jake Matthews, you got to find a way to neutralize some of that speed on the outside. The last thing I have for you, Scott, and everybody's talked about this a lot. You've heard all the trade rumors and, hey, it doesn't do any good because there's dead money and, and this, that, and the other. Just kind of prognosticate a little bit, look into your crystal ball. Where do you honestly, in your mind, see this franchise going once the season's over? Because i got to be honest with you, just from what I've seen and the injuries on the defensive side of the ball, it just doesn't seem like they're going to be able to bring it all together to salvage a season and make that extra playoff team. I don't see it. Like I said, before we got you on the phone, the season's a watch. Do you think they're going to tear it apart and, and send Ryan packing and or maybe even Julio? Or do you think they just go out and try to find the best GM and coach they have and assemble a staff and make one last final push with these guys that they've got so much money tied up in? Or do they just take the hit and blow it up and move forward? You look at it from a perspective, GM and head coach, you have to look at where would you want to go that has a nucleus of players that's desirable to, to come in and make an, an immediate impact? And I think that starts with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Look, Matt Ryan is certainly not the problem here in Atlanta. If he replicates the last two or three games outside of that one throw against Carolina, he's probably going to end up somewhere close to 30 touchdowns. And he's on pace for you know six interceptions, seven interceptions. So you don't get rid of a guy like that. You just don't. You continue to build around him. I know he's not getting any younger, but like you mentioned, the cap hit is just astronomical, and you're not going to do that. Unless you're sitting there with a top three pick and can get your franchise quarterback, and even then I think he fits behind Matt for a year or two, and that's what you want. Look at the Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre situation. Do you want a guy that you can come in and, and kind of ease him into the system, learn behind the Hall of Famer, and, and kind of go from there? But no, neither of those guys are going to get offloaded. I think Matt and Julio are what make this job for prospective GM and or head coach desirable. I think they're going to look at guys like that and go, hey, we can build around that. Anyone that has any football acumen whatsoever is looking at this team week to week and going, the offense can score points. The offense can move the ball. They need a defense. They need a few key pieces. And I would say probably another corner and a dominant safety. And then of course the pass rush that we mentioned. But if you become even middle of the pack on defense, and I've mentioned this in recent calls, if you become middle of the pack on defense, build around your offense, you're right back in the hunt. It's awesome how much forces can change from year to year with the NFL. You get a lot of teams that finish last in their division winning the division the very next year because all it takes are subtle movement. The talent pool with these teams from team to team, from division to division, it's not that far apart. The best team in, in the league can lose to the very worst team in the league, statistically speaking, any given Sunday. And that's how close the talent pool is. So with that in mind, you think about what it takes to get right back into contention. And usually that's two or three players and a philosophy change away, and you're right back in it. No one's ever as doomed as they think they are in the NFL, and you're never set up for success as you think you are in the NFL. You're only a couple pieces away adding or subtracting from being just as relevant as you were a couple years ago. So to answer your question, Rob, Matt and Julio are going to remain on this team for at least two more years after this year, and I think they'll start the rebuild from there. But for now, it's a win-now league, and you got to go do it with those guys. Scott, as always, man, we appreciate your insights. It all starts with this game against Denver on Sunday, and you try to get yourself to at least 3-6 and six going into the bye week. Thanks, as always, man, and we'll visit with you on the next show. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to it. All right, Scott Johns of the Atlanta Falcons spending some time with us as he regularly does. Right here, we take a break. On the other side of said break, we talk some more about the upcoming game against Denver. We also swirl some idiots. Yep, the swirly segment is back. This is Falcons Flight from Believe Entertainment, and we're back right after this. 
Like in football, whether it's in business, recreation, or life, you need a game plan. Is your computer running slow? Is it infected with viruses or malware? Maybe you're a gamer and really want a custom-built computer specifically for gaming. Perhaps like us, you want a lightning-fast, state-of-the-art, solid-state drive to replace that clunky, old-school one in your machine. Your game plan for any of this should be Computers Plus. A lot of the components we use to produce and bring you Falcon's Flight have been upgraded or provided by Computers Plus. Computers Plus is located in Ackworth, Georgia at 3330 Cobb Parkway Northwest, Suite 154. But wherever you are, they can help. Stop in and see them. They also feature a full line of accessories and refurbished equipment. Give them a call today at 770-693-0769 or check them out at computersplususa.com. You'll be glad you did. Mr. Hardwood is Atlanta's premier flooring expert, but hardwood is just the beginning. Mr. Hardwood also installs laminate, tile, vinyl, carpet, and more. Your home is likely your biggest investment. Not only can you enhance its value with beautiful new floors, but our lifetime transferable warranty will enhance the value even more. If you stand on it, Mr. Hardwood stands behind it. Mr. Hardwood is committed to setting the industry standard for all your uniquely designed and professionally installed flooring solutions. Our number one goal is to exceed our customers' needs by providing value, quality, and exceptional service even after the sale. We take great pride in high-quality craftsmanship and integrity and are not satisfied until we have exceeded your expectations. Mr. Hardwood, Atlanta's flooring experts. To set up your free consultation, call Mr. Hardwood today at 770-318-8880 or go to mrhardwoodinc.com. It is Falcon's Flight Edition 14. Brian Giffen, Robert Taylor. Thanks, as always, to Scott Johns of the Atlanta Falcons, who joins us regularly and certainly did so today. As we recap Carolina, talked a little about some of the craziness in the Detroit game and, of course, set the stage for this Sunday's game as the Falcons take on the Denver Broncos. That's at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And it kicks at 1 p.m. Eastern as Atlanta tries to get their record to 3-6 and six heading into their bye. Now, they've had, Robert, 10 days or will have had 10 days or so to prepare for this Denver team, which struggles to score and doesn't throw the ball in particular very well. They don't run it that great either. They've got a couple of running. Melvin Gordon is the best known of the two. Phil Lindsay is the other running back. And neither one has put up any kind of eye-popping numbers, somewhat pedestrian. So it seems like if you have any defensive momentum off of getting a stop to close out the Carolina game, maybe this is the ideal offense, one that doesn't throw it or run it particularly well and doesn't score a lot to go up against going into your bye. Maybe it's one of those that I've heard it called this, and I like it called this. Maybe for the defense, it's a get-back game. Kind of get back to what they're used to doing and they get a little better on that side of the ball, just kind of a tune-up. They're playing against a weaker offense. Maybe it allows them to work on some different things and get back to playing defensive football. As a fan, I just want to see the Falcons, and I don't think we've seen this yet, a complete game on both sides of the ball. And I want to see them really come... all three phases. Yeah, and I really just would like to see them come out and just handle the Broncos. I'm pretty sure every Falcons game this year, it's been like, Goo! 
You know, funny, we were talking about this. Catching the tail end of the Panthers game, there was like a minute and 37 seconds left, and my girlfriend's brother-in-law was there, and they brought their 90-year-old grandmother, and it's a minute and 37, and I'm kind of watching it, and somebody called me, and I turned away, and she goes, well, the minute and 37, you know, the Falcons can do a lot to lose in that amount of time. It's just so like, I was like, ugh. They call her Grammy, and I was like, Grammy, I know. Probably not going to be all that exciting game to watch i'm gonna tune in i'm back in town and and back in the swing of things and i'm just conflicted right now i don't know what i want out of the falcons i don't know if i want them to blow it up or keep these guys for one last final push if we can secure a solid staff because it seems like to me it it boils down to this and in the conversations i've had with you and scott and what i've read it's just unimaginative coaching and i want to find a sharp mind a creative mind to mix it up, because that's all I hear is, you know, I've heard Scott say this more than one time this year. We got to put some wrinkles in there. We got to spice up our play calling. We got to make adjustments. And it just seems like they're just not doing that. Now, maybe that's their goal to say, hey, let's not put too much on their plate. Let's just get back to basics. Let's just play football. Let's just get some wins, try to salvage this thing. I don't know. Well, win as many as you can, let the dust settle and look up and see what your record is at the end would always be the motto there. And we'll have a look back at that game once it concludes on the next Falcons flight, which will be episode 15 that we'll get to next week. With that said, Robert, what time is it? Oh, it's been a while. I'm glad we're back. But it's swirly time, swirly time, swirly time. The Falcon's flight crew is intolerant of jackassery. There is a special place where morons are plunged headlong into a blue vortex of irony. Where imbeciles are irrigated, dumbasses are drenched, and abject idiocy rinsed away. Where pompous assery comes face to face with porcelain where chlorine, tidy bowl, and bleach administer swift, swirling justice. This is our Game of Thrones, where mindsets and hairstyles are forever altered. It is the Falcon's Flight Swirly segment. Now let's get this party started. And it's had a couple of weeks to get polished and bleached and shined. We have opened the lid. We have particularly polished the chromium handle. And it is time to swirl some imbeciles or ne'er do wells or whatever other word you want to use. I'm going to. Hooligans. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, man, there's so many that fit. Instead of scanning the news to find an obscure, ridiculous story. I'm going to look right at the news and tell you a ridiculous story. I am swirling the United States media for the cesspool of clownery that it has become. It is all about the sensational. It is all about the biased. It is all about turning sometimes nothing into the biggest story of the day while covering up other things. The words journalistic integrity, in my mind, and look, you know, on the sports side of it, I get it, but the words journalistic integrity don't belong together anymore with this current crop. And it's a really sad state of affairs in a country that has a First Amendment and all of these things, freedom of the press, all of this, 
that you can't have responsible media that just tells you what's going on and lets you sort out for yourself how you want to think about it. Brian, we could do an entire other podcast about how sad the national media, local, any any form of news media in this country, and I know we try to stay out of the politics Absolutely. and stuff on this and I'm, show. You but, know, I'm, I'm not picking sides either. But sometimes you can't avoid it, and it really is. I don't know what's going to be done to change that, but, man, I just miss the good old days of when you turned on the news that you had confidence that you were being told the truth. And yeah. not some skewed version of it. Exactly. It's a, it's a strange world we live in, for sure. Hey, media, look up Swirly in the encyclopedia. Get over here. I was going to combine several voices to the bubbling. That's it, boy. Get in there, Nat. Because there's a lot of them. Oh, yeah. Ridiculous. Don't nobody go in the bathroom. For about 35, 45 minutes. Or longer. Somebody open the window. You see the peanut? Dead giveaway. And there are a lot of peanuts yes, in the world the, I just discussed. The stench of media can be smelled for many miles away. And, and I'll say one thing. It's what's crazy is Fox News' lawyers came out today and said about one of their own anchors, you really can't believe some of the things that he says on our show. <laughs> and the guy still has a job. Yeah, it's crazy. And honestly, I don't mean this taking any side in what's been one of the most divided, over-sensationalized, ridiculous years in the history of this country. Can we not somewhere find a damn credible media outlet that'll just tell people the truth and let them as adults just sort it out for themselves? Come on, we got to be better than that. Maybe over we'll, to you. Sorry, we'll, soapbox rant yeah, over. Maybe we'll get with the guys from Believe. Now, I do want to preface this one because we are getting a little political today. In no way, shape, or form am I making light no. of the COVID-19 situation. My condolences for this guy, but I'm kind of swirling the state of North Dakota and its voters because they elected a dead guy <laughs> to an office. So voters in North Dakota on Tuesday elected the late David Andall, a Republican, as a state representative in House District 8, according to state officials. The only problem with that is Andall died from COVID-19 in October. Wow. It goes on to talk about some mail-in votes, but, like, somebody was asleep at the wheel because this guy's been, you know, it doesn't list an official date of death, but... <laughs> you, you would think that the day he died, they would contact state officials and say, hey, this guy needs to be pulled off the ballots. Yeah, let's because scratch that name, no you doubt. You know, now it's kind of like an episode of Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> you know, well, like, I wonder, though, I, I don't know how North Dakota operates, but I wonder if since he won, like it is here in Georgia where the governor would appoint whoever takes his place because, or someone, you know, the, in the in the statewide party would appoint somebody into if that's the case then it makes sense they would have left him on there only for the purposes of winning the seat and then putting somebody in it i don't know i don't know anything about any of this stuff what one would think that the the loser would just get it and he's uncontested and those and, you know and they, and they said that some of his votes came in while he was still alive and he got about 35 percent but somebody up there dropped the ball like that's <laughs> just no and, and again i'm sorry for his family i'm sorry for him but that to me it's pretty funny that the citizens of north dakota put a dead guy in office yeah that's pretty crazy hey voters too bad you're not voters get over here <laughs> once again the group bubbles would be appropriate yeah 
That's it, boy. Get in there nice and deep. The reason that bad things happen to you is because you're a dumbass. Or because you vote for guys who are deceased. Well, that'll about wrap episode 14 of Falcon's Flight. Brian Giffen with Robert Taylor. Again, thanks to Scott Johns. And we'll be back next week with a fresh, brand new one of these to recap what happened against the Broncos and kind of set the scene for how the Falcons will spend their bye week, which comes after this upcoming game. But for now, that will about close this thing out. Again, thanks to Scott Johns for joining us, as he does regularly, of the Atlanta Falcons. Thanks to Robert Taylor, situated to my immediate right. And we appreciate all of you listening to Falcons Flight. Please like it, please share it, and please promote it whenever you can. Brian Giffen, Robert Taylor, for Scott Johns saying so long, everybody. Thank you for listening to Falcons Flight. Tune in throughout the season for updates, insights, and analysis on the Dirty Birds. Falcon's Flight is a production of Believe Entertainment. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.